Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about what Howie Roseman had to say at the Scouting Combine and get a look at the Eagles offseason with Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports. He's going to stop by to talk about areas of positional need for the Eagles and how they might go about filling those needs, whether it's through the draft or through free agency. And we'll also touch on Dollar Dog Night disappearing from Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, we'll throw a little baseball hot dog hot dog talk in there, but uh, that'll be good stuff. Uh, and we'll also talk about the tush push sticking around for 2024 and some of the other breaking news concerning your Philadelphia Eagles here on Friday. So we'll do that coming up on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Just a reminder, everyone, to leave a five-star rating and a review for this very podcast over at Apple Podcasts. I would love to hear what you think about Eye on the Enemy specifically. Leave a five-star rating over at the BG radio feed for Eye on the Enemy and let me know what you think. Areas of improvement, things we should focus on here in the offseason. Would love to know what you think of the show. And of course, bleedinggreennation.com each and every day. That's the place to go to for all of your offseason news, notes, and rumors and for articles uh, that I write about the birds. Those can also be found at bleedinggreennation.com. Well, and joining me to talk about this Eagles offseason a little bit and some of what we heard Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni say at the Combine this week in Indianapolis is my good buddy Jeffrey Kerr from CBS Sports. He's doing a little Phillies writing like me now. And so he's going to try he's going to try and steal some of that uh, steal some of that uh, dual sport stuff that we got going on here on uh, the Stolness household. But all, Jeff has some real good thoughts on the Phillies and uh, we'll have to get him on the Hit and Season podcast at some point as well, too. But we're going to talk some birds here on this podcast jeff thanks for coming back on eye on the enemy how are you buddy uh i'm doing pretty good but by the way it's kind of fitting how it's eye on the enemy now right that's right that's right you are i mean listen i enjoy a good rivalry jeff you know that i'm 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 always happy to welcome people into the into the fold but you know frankly this is my turf you know i'm like i'm like walter white in that episode where he found those kids you know shopping for for meth ingredients at like the home depot and he was pretty flattered at first and then he realized what was going on he went outside and told him this is my turf you know what i'm saying i'm not i'm just you know I'm definitely one of those guys when I'm going to be in that clubhouse this year, I'm just going to be like, hey, look, I'm the rookie. I'm following all you guys. <laughs> you, you guys tell me it's wrong. It's wrong. Well, I'm not in the clubhouse, so somebody else will have to do that for you. I just like to sit from the outside, read what the beat writers uh, write, and then react to it. So that's that's my sweet spot. And it doesn't pay a lot, Jeff, but that's uh, but you know that's that's the that's the lot I've been given here, and that's uh, that's how we're gonna make it work. Before, um, before we even get started with the Eagles, though, I have to ask you, what are your thoughts on Dollar Dawn Night being gone? Okay. All right. So this is a good question. This is I like that we're starting off on on this foot here. I think that. I don't blame the Phillies for getting rid of Dollar Dog Night. I'm sad that it's happening, but we only have ourselves to blame 
for being irresponsible. And this is a lesson that, you know, for all of you fathers out there who have children, you understand this. When when the kids do something wrong, sometimes you have to punish them. Sometimes you have to take something away from them that they like. If they haven't shown you that they are responsible with this thing that they that they are giving you, then you have to take it away from them until they show you that you can be responsible. And and last year and in recent seasons, fans have not been responsible with Dollar Dog Night. You can't take these things and chuck them around the field and be, you know, a horse's patoot with them. You got to, you know, this is food. It's there are people starving in in this country, in different parts of the world, who would kill for one of those hot dogs you're throwing around? So, A, just the morality of it bothered me. But also, it's you're throwing these things around the stadium, people getting hit with them. I mean, nobody's going to die from getting hit with a hot dog. But even so, it's wasteful. And, and, the sta- and I'm sure that, you know, the people uh, who, are, who are running the stadium and, and, you know, running the concessions don't want to waste that kind of money and waste that kind of time making these things just to get thrown around. So I don't blame the Phillies. I don't blame the stadium. Whoever's responsible for this, whoever's in charge of this decision, I don't blame them one bit. We've got to earn that trust back and we have to earn back the dollar dog night if we really want them. You know, something that's been bothering me and this has been over the last 15 years. Well, they still had dollar dog night when they were good. I, the previous time. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, correct. But I was your age. This is what I tell people on social media. I was your age when we had those dollar dog nights from that run to 2007 to 2011. And we never thought about throwing them. We thought about eating them. Eating them. And I I think people act on social media. It's starting to come to they're acting like that outside of social media. And it's Mm -hmm. not good. And people are doing anything they can to get viral now. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, I saw some people they they were doing R.I.P. Dollar Dog Night. That's fine, but then like fans trying not to blame the Phillies or or then themselves, I should say, yeah. for the Phillies canceling Dollar Dog Night. Yeah, that th- that's upsetting to me. They're like, no, no, it was the line. Like I saw uh, one tweet say, no, it was the lines. I'm like, it was not the lines. It no. was you. It was you guys acting up. That's what yeah. it, those long lines. They would have addressed that. Guess what? They, it, I agree with you, John. As a fodder, I'm not a fodder, obviously. But you know, as, can you imagine having your seven, eight-year-old there and not that they would get hit with a hot dog, but they're seeing that, that behavior? Yeah. You, yeah. You, can't, you can't have that. Like, for example, my family's had season tickets for the Phillies for over 20 years now, right? If we see someone act out of line in our section, my parents are probably the most chill people on earth. But if someone's acting out of line, they will go to the usher and say, look, I paid for these seats. I've been paying for these seats for 20 years. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with these people. And the Phillies, they did their job and say, hey, knock it off. Like, yeah. just stop acting up. And we were at one of the dollar dog nights last year. People were throwing hot dogs. And I'm just like, this is disgusting. Like, what are you guys doing to yourselves? Like, come to a baseball game to actually watch a baseball game. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Maybe it's people trying to trying to be you know, maybe they're filming themselves, throwing the hot dogs around. I don't remember exactly why it was everybody was doing that last year, just because they could, because they only cost a dollar. All right, great. We're not going to, we're not going to be that fan base. That's that we're not going to be that fan base that just, you know, we spent $4 on four hot dogs and we're only going to eat one. So we'll throw the other three. Like that's just dumb. Stop it. And we lost a privilege. We had a privilege and we lost the privilege and we were right to lose the privilege. And hopefully we earn it back one day. Cause I don't have a lot of money to spend at the ballpark, Jeff. Ballpark concessions, stadium concessions cost a ton of money. And when you have dollar dog nights, it's a great opportunity for a family 
to eat at the ballpark. Like if you're a parent and you're taking three or four kids with you, it costs you like 60 bucks to get them food at the, that's one trip to the concession stand. But on a dollar dog night, you can get like two hot dogs for each of your kids for like six bucks and you're good for the game. Like, so that's the other part of it too. Is like it, it, it we took something away from families that wanted that, you know, maybe saved up and they go to one game a year. That's kind of like me. You know, you go to one game a year and you want to take your kids to the game and you want to let them have hot dogs and have the ballpark experience. But when the hot dogs or the, whatever it is, is like three fifty per, that's a big deal. And so I, that's why I kind of get a little worked up about it, but you know, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I agree with you on that sense too. Like, because I, I know a lot of people that went to dollar dawn nights w with families of four or families of six. And I, I did think it was funny how all the minor leagues, Teams for the Phillies were like, well, we still have our dollar dog. Right. Night. Come on out here. Yeah. I, I was like, you guys have dollar dog night every night and no one throws a hot dog. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It can be, they can be taught. That's, that is, uh, that's the old line. They can be taught. You know, my uh, dear, you know, uh, to end this, you know, my theory on dollar dog night though, I used to claim that the hot dogs they sold on dollar dog night weren't the actual ballpark pranks, the ones that you pay full price for. Oh, uh, I used to well, claim maybe. that. Cause maybe. I'm not, I only eat hot dogs. And I'm like, this isn't the hot dog I got on Sunday. Interesting. I don't, I had, I've never gone to a game and then to a dollar dog night in six in, in close enough proximity to one another to notice a difference. That's an interesting theory, Jeff. And you know, maybe some, maybe some hardworking investigative journalist will be, will be able to track that down and we'll be able to get to the bottom of this. But I, 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 I think this that's year. your, I think that's your wheelhouse there. Jeff. Is that my bailiwick? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll see what I can do about that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, let's talk some birds here, Jeff, and I want to get to the the, the broken news uh, that happened just before we started uh, talking here uh, on Friday, and that is the Eagles have decided to release safety Kevin Byard. Uh, he played just 10 games with the Eagles this year, picked up midseason last year, and it was really hoped that he would uh, be a, a plus player at the safety position as it seemed obvious to everyone that the Eagles had a lot of issues at that spot. You know, they, they, they tried to, um, make veteran safety Terrell Edmonds work. Uh, that, that didn't work out trying to find somebody to play alongside Reed Blankenship. Uh, the Eagles, uh, traded a fifth and a sixth round pick, uh, for him as well as, uh, Terrell Edmonds. Uh, and you know, You'd like to have those picks, but again, that's not a high price to pay for Bayard. But Bayard just didn't do much. He he was invisible for for most of the season, um, and 
he was going to have a $14.4 million cap number in 2024. So by releasing him, it saves them $13 million, a little over a million dollars in dead money. This is a move we all saw coming. We knew this was going to happen, Jeff, especially since I think Sidney Brown will be back next year. I don't know how early in the season he'll be back and, and ready to start playing, but Blankenship and Sidney Brown will be your starters really for most of next season, I would imagine. This is not a surprise at all. I don't think it would have been a surprise, even if he played well, just because of the cap hit. I, I think Kevin Byer was brought in to solidify the safety position, and he didn't do that. So it just made the decision that much easier. I, I thought maybe they would have restructured the contract. Uh, maybe they tried to do that. I don't know. I would probably have to ask someone in the Kevin Byer camp. But, yeah, it didn't look like he was going to be back. Not that not Vic Fangio is defensive coordinator. And here's what I'm concerned about, John. So you got Kevin Byer released now. Your only two safeties on the active roster, I'm not counting the guys on the future steals, mm -hmm. Reed Blankenship and Sidney Brown, injured. You're going to be addressing that position free agency. Yeah. So I'm looking at it as, okay, so who are they going to get? It, you know, could it be an Eddie Jackson? I don't know if I'm crazy about him. Maybe it's a Sean Elliott. Uh, you know, um, the guy I like, honestly, is Geno Stone for the Baltimore Ravens. That guy was a player last year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think I was talking. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh no, no, I was just going to end with you know, so, someone like Geno Stone, maybe a guy that you can get. You know, he's on, he's on that Howie Roseman level of deals, right, John? Like, it's mm -hmm. he just played out his first contract. He's in his mid twenties. These are the guys Howie Roseman used to get when they built the Super Bowl team. And then he, I don't want to say he abandoned it, but I don't think he focused on it as much. So. Maybe a guy like Geno Stone, something like that. Like I think they do need to add a veteran in there, but safety is going to be a high priority for this football team. And I was talking to I had Dan Pizzuta on the uh, on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He's with the thirty third team, and uh, he was talking about his top free agents uh, at every position. And he was telling me, uh, looking at the safety position, that it's it's it might be the deepest position in free agency, and that there are a number of guys kind of in the middle. Uh, upper to middle part of the pack that that the Eagles might very well be be interested in. I mean, they're not going to Antoine Winfield. He he might get franchised. You know, Kyle Duggar by the Patriots might get franchised. Some of these guys at the top might get franchised. But uh, Geno Stone uh, is certainly a, a name that's out there. Uh, he's he, I think he's like a top five, top seven safety free agent here. You know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson's not out of the realm of possibility bringing him back. I, I maybe uh, I, I've heard some uh, little birdie was telling me that. A reunion is possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, that's the type of player we're looking at. There are there are lots of options in free agency at safety too, uh, where you where you can you can get a guy there because you're right. They absolutely have to address the position, but I don't feel like they're going to do that with their first or one of their two second round picks. I, that doesn't seem like something that uh, a direction that they would go. Maybe a a later day two pick. You you want to throw a safety in there in, into the mix that makes sense. But uh, I, I think I think one of the first things they do is is get a safety in free agency. I mean, maybe it's not one of the first things because there is a high volume. You can wait and see what the market uh, establishes for some of these guys. But I would imagine that because there are a number of guys who are out there and you don't give franchise tags to safeties, generally speaking, there maybe a few here and there get one. But for the most part, there's going to be a lot of guys out there. And that, generally speaking, suppresses the contracts down a little bit. I, I would agree. So and when I was. Looking at, I do franchise tag candidates uh, for every team for CBS every year. And, of course, there are teams that you're like, okay, they're not going to franchise tag anybody. But the position I used the most was safety. And 
I actually think the Patriots are going to get a deal done with Kyle Duggar. I don't think they let him at the at the open market. Uh, I was surprised Tampa Bay picked Winfield out of Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans to be the one that's probably going to get the franchise tag because mm-hmm. I thought you wouldn't let Evans go by any means. And yeah. now it seems like that's possible. If he goes, I think Baker goes with him. So Tampa mm-hmm. Bay could be on a, not like a rebuild, uh, maybe a soft rebuild, I guess, but they do need to keep a lot of guys on that defense. And, you know, who knows about Levante David? He's 34. Um, I'm, I'm thinking Devin White's probably not coming back there. But, yeah, you pay with It's probably the cheapest of the three franchise tag. I think that's another reason why you franchise tag a safety, because it's only worth like $16 million. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, because, you know, there's some guys, I know one of the things they're talking about with, you know, getting a contract extension done with Landon Dickerson is uh, if he becomes a free agent next year or whenever it's he's he's ready to become a free agent, you're not going to franchise him because there's no difference between uh, the 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 tag number of of guards and tackles, and so you're not gonna you're not gonna franchise tag an offensive guard when he's gonna get paid like an offensive tackle. So yeah, there there's certain positions where you're just not gonna use a franchise tag, but safety could be one of them because the number is is lower than say uh, an edge rusher or something else like that. I, I want to I'm gonna dive back into positions and potential off season moves in, in just a second, but I want to double back on something Howie Roseman talked about uh, at the at the combine because it's gonna impact how they approach what they're going how they're going to fill these different needs and that's when he talked about the need to be willing to go with younger players despite the fact i think he said something along the lines that it might make you uncomfortable looking at it on the depth chart which is i think kind of how we felt with Nicobe Dean being the top linebacker on the depth chart heading into last year but him essentially saying that you we've got to be able to have younger players high up on the depth chart getting at, working as a starter and and to be okay with that, to be comfortable with that, to to try and develop a nucleus on the defensive side, like you have on the offensive side of the ball, and the Eagles really don't have that on the defensive side of the ball right now. So, who do you think who do you think Howie Roseman is talking about when he talks about getting younger on uh, and and having young players be a, a a major part of the mix? Because what he's essentially saying is we can't go out and we can't get a free agent to fill every single need that we have. I feel like that was targeted at Nolan Smith. Did, didn't you think that? Yeah, I mean, I either that or he's uh, doubling down on on Nicobe, you know, or or essentially saying, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with Bradbury, but if he's trying to convince people, like, yo, we're not trading for Legarius Sneed, we're not doing something like that at cornerback. Keely Ringo's our guy, you know, something, or or if it's a first round cornerback guy that the pick that they make, and like, yeah, he's going to be the starter. That it could be any one of those different kinds of things. I think. One of the toughest things, and again, I don't know if you heard about the Darius Slay comments uh, that yeah. made their rounds today, but I feel this is the tough part of playing in Philadelphia. You want these young guys to play. Uh, the fan base clamors for them. Eli Ricks, Kaylee Ringo, and then they go in there and they don't have success right away. Oh, they suck. Well, that's not exactly the case. It's they're learning on the fly, and maybe Rose would say, hey, look, we got to let these guys learn on the fly a bit. Like, I... I I'm so easy on defensive ends, maybe because I played it, but it takes a while for a defensive end, especially in the NFL, to kind of get up to speed. So Brandon Graham, see, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brandon Graham is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Uh, saw Reddick's another example. The Eagles have one. Uh, yeah. It took him like four years ago. And it, obviously he had to stop being a linebacker to do that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Nolan Smith is a guy that I'm viewing as, okay, maybe year two, year three is the guy – 
that can take that next step. And I feel like Jalen Carter learned a lot as rookie guy. I think they want more guys like Jalen Carter that comes in there and makes an immediate impact. They they never seem to have a defensive rookie that has done that. Um, the only rookies I can think of over the last maybe 25 years, let's see, Dawkins, and that's more than 25 years ago, uh, yeah. Corey Simon. Can you name any other like defensive players that stood right off the bat as rookie? Trotter was year two. Right. Well, I think I, I think they had um, I can't remember if they started right away, but Lito Shepard and Sheldon Brown. Uh, uh, they they didn't start right away because uh, okay. remember they, they had Vincent Taylor, but they came in and made an impact when they finally played. Right, right. So I mean, those are the those are the two that kind of burst to mind initially, and certainly by year two, I think they were starting, uh, or at least Lito was starting. I mean, one of those guys was starting by by year two, and they were drafted to to be impact players by at least their second year. They weren't on the three- to four-year plan. Um, and, you know, I, I think, um, oh, gosh. Yeah, you're right, though. It, it, it The fact that it's taking us so long to try and, and think of these different players uh, tells you a lot. Right. I mean, that they, they just don't they don't have defensive rookie of the year candidates. They never do. Right. I mean, there's never a defense in an Eagles player where you're thinking you know, he's among the top vote, the top vote getters of defensive rookie of the year because they, they don't draft for immediate impact at, at that particular position. And, and you know, even with like Derek Barnett and they pick him in the first round. Well, it was in 2017 and his rookie season, the Super Bowl season, he had that big play in the Super Bowl, but he was not a major contributor during the course of that season. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's not something that typically happens with this team. Yeah, and I think they wanted the Kobe Dean to do that his rookie year, but you saw, like, first couple practices in training camp, like, this guy's not going to contribute to this team. It's pretty much going to be a redshirt year for him because they had T.J. Edwards and they had Kaiser White, and kudos to them, but then they wanted to throw Dean into the fire in year two, and all he did was get hurt. Like, the last impactful linebackers outside T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White, it is funny how the fans clamor for linebacker, and I agree with them 100% on this, but I wish they would uh, add this to the mix. The two years they had impactful linebackers, they made the Super Bowl. Jordan Hicks and Michael Kendricks and TJ mm-hmm. Edwards and Kaiser White. It's true. I mean, and, and I think we all had our... I remember during the Super Bowl run in 22, Kaiser White was not thought of as a, a terribly good player but i mean obviously we saw certainly better than anything they had in in 2023 at the linebacker spot and so if you're looking at young players they they obviously have invested a lot emotionally at least if not in in practice time and and everything else in Nicobe dean they really believe in him they really want him to to win that spot they've invested in all these university of georgia guys you know a lot of there's a, a lot of publicity over all the bulldogs they have on that defense they they really do want those guys to 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 step up to the forefront but as you look at the needs on defense you know fletcher cox is probably going to retire you cannot enter the 2024 season with brandon graham as de4 he just, he's got, his workload has to reduce. And I think we saw Josh Sweat get played too much. We, we've seen that his, the, the workload they gave him was too much. He faded terribly down the stretch, even before Matt Patricia took over as the, as the de facto defensive coordinator. So I feel like edge rusher is something they have to address, even with Nolan Smith here. Now, whether that's getting another edge rusher early in the draft or whether that's in free agency, we'll kind of, you know, wait to see but as you look at these different needs on defense and we're focusing mostly on defense you know where where can they what 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 of the which of the in-house options do you think 
it's going to be like it, it, that that they really are going. I guess you said no. You think Nolan Smith is going to be the guy? Do you think that's going to be because they trade Hassan Reddick, or do you think that's going to be with Hassan Reddick in the fold? I think that's going to be with Hassan Reddick in the fold. Thank so, you. Good. I'm so, glad. Yeah. So so I don't think they're trading Hassan Reddick at all. I I think that's more of the Eagles just seeing what teams would offer for Hassan Reddick. Look, you need a premium pass rusher in this league to succeed. And Hassan Reddick, I agreed with him 100% last year when he made the comments. He was underpaid. And that frustrated me to no end when... I, I, I guess it was that people were disagreeing with me on that because they're like, well, he signed the contract. I'm like, yeah, the Eagles can also get rid of that contract whenever they want. So mm-hmm. I don't blame Hassan Reddick for having 19 sacks uh, in a season. This is including the postseason then saying he wants more money. Uh, you know, he's definitely worth 20 to $25 million. Is he worth TJ Watt, Miles Garrett money? No, but that might be what the market dictates. Uh, I do think the Eagles need to take care of him. I think you need him in the fold for another year or two, and then maybe you consider moving on from him. But, yeah, I, I would like to see Nolan Smith and Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat kind of be the three. And like you said, Brandon Graham should probably be DE4, and he did not play that much last year. Uh Brandon Graham is used sparingly, and I'm all for bringing Brandon Graham back. He should come back. You know, he's a good leader in that locker room. Um, but, yeah, on that defensive line, they definitely need to rush the pass. They were not effective in getting to the quarterback. They got a lot of pressures, but their pressure rate wasn't that great, and their sack rate wasn't that great. And right. we, all, we all expected them to take a downturn after the John Pagani year. I didn't think he was going to fade it that much. I think that's the, the question is, like, was Javon Hargrave really that much of a a presence on the inside that it opened up so many things for guys on the outside? And I don't know that we'll ever really get the answer for that because early in the season, you know, Jalen Carter was seemingly playing as well as J- Javon Hargrave did when he was when he was here in the, the few years that he was here. But um, I, I guess as we're as I want to get your thoughts on what they're going to do with these first three draft picks, essentially, because I think if I'm looking at young players that can impact this team right away in 2024. And I do think that they need to they need to start looking at the draft as a way to help your team that season. Like every draft, it seems as though the Eagles are kind of just like putting first and second round picks up on a shelf to go grab when they need them. And I understand you don't want to draft for positional need. That being said, they they have these three picks within the top is it the top fifty or certainly the, within the top like seventy? I'm trying to remember exactly where they pick. I know it's obviously I know they uh, uh, twenty two I think it is in the in the first round. Is that right? Yeah, twenty two. I'm actually looking this up for you as we speak because I'm pretty sure you're. Oh, right bless on your heart. The, uh, I'm pretty sure you're right on three in the top seventy. So let's see. Yeah, here. yeah. They, right, right. Uh, um, actually, actually, um, you are correct. It, it uh, they actually have three in the top sixty. Okay, okay. They have 50, so they have fifty and fifty three in the second round. So, so you've got an opportunity to get some impact players for your team this year, and we have seen teams draft guys and have them ready to play for them in the same year they were drafted. It is not impossible. It is something that can happen. But that being said, I'm hearing I'm hearing whispers about the Eagles taking an offensive tackle with their first round pick. And obviously he that offensive tackle is more a player that you're going to use down the line as opposed to somebody who's going to really impact the team here in 2024. How do you see them using these first three picks here? And do you think they are going to look at any of these picks, whether it's all three of them, two of them, one of them, as a, as to fill a position of need here in 2024. 
So I actually think they're going to be concentrating on defense a lot. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they went edge rusher at 22. I think there's going to be a couple guys there that are going to uh, make up think about taking one. And look, they'll be an impact player because they're an edge, they're an edge rusher. They're going to be in the rotation. I could see him going cornerback. Um, is that too early for safety? I don't think it's never too early for safety. You know, just because Brian Branch went in the second round doesn't mean you pick him in the second round, right? You know, he, he probably should have been the first round pick. But yeah. everybody goes by the whole value meter. I'm like, no, you get the player that you need. Like Detroit showed that. They they got Jack Campbell in the first round. He was an impact player. They got Jameer Gibbs at number 12. He was one of the better running backs last year. Um, certainly better than uh, what they had the year before. Uh, you know, with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, they, they improved with Dave Montgomery and uh, uh, Jameer Gibbs. So I, I think you just look for that impact type player. And it is funny how last year at this time, everybody was talking about Bijan, Bijan, Bijan. I said, they're, they're not going to get a guy like Bijan Robinson, but he would have been that impact player for that offense if they wanted to go that route. So I think they need to go after a cornerback, after a uh, defensive. I could see him going offensive line just because that's their bread and butter and they usually don't miss on them. But here's a twist for you, John. Okay. I'm not saying they go running back at 22, but running back at 50 or 53. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, they do. They do need help there. They do. I think if you're not going to bring back DeAndre Swift, and even if you are, uh, it, you know they have a love for Kenny Gainwell that defies explanation. Uh, but they have a love I, for a lot of running backs on that team that <laughs> defy explanation. That's, that's true. They must do some things in practice that just are amazing that we don't see out on the field. But I, I don't think the the reunion with DeAndre Swift is is out of the question simply because there are a number of running backs available in free agency that I don't know that the numbers are going to be out there for DeAndre Swift the way um, they, were, they were for Miles Sanders a, a year before. But that being said, uh, I think if they take a running back in the second round, given every, all the issues that they have uh, on defense, I think that would be a mistake. Um, it depends on the running back. It depends on, on who it is, I guess. I haven't done, I haven't taken a, a deep dive into the running backs available in the draft, but um, I guess, you know, it seems, Jeff, that there's just a million different ways that this team can go to, to filling out their holes. So let me ask you this. What is the most important position that they need to address this offseason? I would say secondary, uh, mostly safety. Uh, because right. it, I, I, we talked about this earlier. Like, it's Reed Blankenship, it's Sidney Brown, it's Makai Gardner, and it's Tristan McCollum. And I know there were people, guys I'm really good friends with on the beat, that will tell me Tristan McCollum and Makai Gardner to my face. I'm like, yeah, but that's not how you win a Super Bowl. Like, they can help you win a Super Bowl, but that's not how you win a Super Bowl. Uh, not when you're looking at safeties on the Chiefs or safeties on the 49ers. Like, Deshaun Gibson is 33 years old and still one of the better safeties in football, which is kind of crazy because he, he just fit whatever – Tamika Ryans or Steve Wilkes wanted to do. Um, and Vic Fangio really, um, you need a good safety in Vic Fangio's defense. So I, I, I think safety is going to be that position. I, I think they will add a veteran safety in there. They, they even go big bucks and one of those safeties. It's free agency. And I wouldn't blame Look, I'm still in the camp. I know Darius Slay can still play. I don't think James Bradbury could be as bad as he was last year. 
I, you know, I think he'll regress to the mean, or, or I guess improve to the mean, not regress but, to the mean. No, no, re- re- that's the right phrase. Regress to the mean. It doesn't have necessarily mean that the player gets worse. It just means that you know you're you're coming back down, or you know you're you're stabilizing. Regress to the mean works in this situation. You got it. Yeah. So okay. So if he's an average cornerback, because you really can't cut him, it's stupid to cut him. No one's gonna trade for him. Might as well keep him in there and see what he can do. Maybe he can give you. I thought he played well in the slot at times last year. Maybe that's the way Vic Fangio goes. Um, you know who I'm curious to see if he comes back or not, John? Avante Maddox. Hmm. Yeah, it's a big cap number, right? Yeah, it is. It, it's not, like, huge by by any means. Uh, you're not – I'm going to look this up now. I don't think you're eating a lot of dead money there, but it's – you're paying a lot for a guy that basically is hurt more than he's not. And he's a good player. Probably could help another team, but – can he help this team? That's the question. Yeah, he's a, I think he's got a dead cap number of seven point seven million post June first to be one point nine. Yeah, I, I can see them making that a post June first cut. Are you looking up on uh, OTC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it here. Yeah, it, it, it honestly like I, I can see him being a post June first cut if, if they wanted to go that route. Uh, you know, it, it pushes some back, but I mean after next year. His contract voids anyway, so he's going to be a free agent. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me ask you real quick about linebacker. H- how do they fix linebacker? What do they do at linebacker? Do, do you think Howie will draft a linebacker, or do you think it's something that he'll focus on in free agency? I think he could do both. Um, so what they need is, look, bottom line, they need the Kobe Dean to be the Kobe Dean. That's yeah. what they need. And they need the Kobe Dean to be healthy and productive. I wouldn't be against them bringing Zach Cunningham back. I thought Zach Cunningham had a fine year for them, considering what they asked to him. I don't think they, I, I think Zach Cunningham was put in a no-win situation. You know, he was brought in there to basically uh, fix a leaky pipe. <laughs> the pipe was already <laughs> leaked. It was already leaking in August, and they brought him and Miles Jack, and Miles Jack literally quit to be a plumber, but then came yeah. back. Uh, yeah. You know, he was an Eagle for, what, 10 days? I don't even think he was there, there that long. I don't know if it was that long. Yeah, so... I wouldn't mind if they brought Cunningham back. I, I think they got a draft there. They got to get younger. Um, yeah, it, see, this is what I don't get. I still don't get the whole Christian Ellis thing. Why they got rid of him. Yeah, that's that's a big mystery. I mean, it wasn't like he was a good linebacker, but he was a really good special teamer. And I think how he tried to play roster gymnastics there. And, you know, I still tell people this, and I, I actually laugh at this with, with the player. But I think a lot of people seem to forget Britton Covey could have been taken by anybody last yeah. year. Yeah. And and he told me this. The Giants and Rams were interested in getting him hmm. when he was cut. And he reviewed all the situations. And uh, yeah, I think he knew the situation with the Eagles. But, man, when he wants to give you guaranteed money to be on that good roster, it's, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, all right, last thing I want to ask you about here, Jeff. Uh, it it came down on Friday that uh, Troy Vincent, who is uh, obviously one of the uh, NFL's top executives, says that the Eagles tush-push, the brother brotherly shove, will stick around, it looks like, here in, in 2024. Here's my theory on that. I think the Eagles' death spiral out of contention saved the tush-push. 
because what you had when this was at its I like where this is going, by the way, when this when this thing was at its zenith, the Eagles were 10 and one. They had won like, what, 28 out of their previous 32 games or whatever. Some crazy number. It was an unstoppable play, too. An unstoppable play with the Eagles. Other teams tried it, ran it with varying degrees of success. Some were able to make it work. Some were not, but no one did it with the with the precision and with the success that the Eagles did. And it was a big reason why they were winning all those games. The fact that they stopped winning games at the end of the season, they didn't use the tush push at all, really, over their last seven games because they were never really in a position to use it. They were they 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 stopped getting themselves into goal to go situations at the one where it wasn't in your face three, four, five times every game where teams are losing to this tush push every single week, week in and week out. And I think, I do think that the rest of the league saw that this is a tough play. It's not a gimme play. It's it, it, there, there are some things you can do off the play that make it a, a, a football play. So I think, I think the rest of the league started to get used to that idea and understand that it's not, it's not a gimme play. Like it is actually a skill set that the Eagles have. But I think their losing streak, the fact that the Eagles just cratered, it showed, it proved that the tush push is not the reason why the Eagles were winning or losing games. Because if it was, the Eagles would have kept winning games over the last seven games of the season. And so the fact that the Eagles stopped winning, they went on that losing streak, and the Push push was really not seen at all in the last seven weeks. I think that helped to mute a lot of the calls for it to go away this offseason. You know, if I took a bet on my tweets this year regarding the tush push and the league, I bet it was 20% because I watched every game and every time someone failed at the tush push, I had to mention it. And yeah. like a couple of times I tagged Peter King in them because I'm like, <laughs> oh, look, the the unesthetically ple- I forget how he worded the uh, unesthetically pleasing tush push. Oh, it didn't work for this team. Or it was funny how the two teams it worked for were the Eagles and the Bears. And the Bears had Justin Fields and a pretty good offensive line that could run block. And the Eagles had the best offensive line in football. Between that and people getting mad because the Andre Swift wasn't scoring touchdowns because of the tush push. I'm like, when do we care? Right. It, how teams score six points? Right. I and it was from our the own fan base doing it, and then you had to your Cowboys fans say, "Well, those aren't really touchdowns." I'm like, Evan Smith is the most one yard touchdown runs in NFL history. They not count. <laughs> That's right. Like like your boy Evan Smith. That you know, yeah. I, Evan and I actually talked about the tush push. Uh, I got to interview him in November, and I asked him what he goes. What's the difference between that one yard run? Exactly. And I'm like, see, oh, uh, you know, the greatest running back in NFL history. A lot a lot of people say he is either him or Jim Brown, and He's saying that, and look, he said, you know how hard it is to score from a yard out? I'm like, well, yeah, people don't think that because all they do is play Madden. And I hope the Twitch push is in Madden. I hope the Twitch push is in EA Sports College Football. And it's funny, John, because I'm going to the owners' meetings, and I'm kind of glad I don't have to hear about the Twitch push being on the table. Yeah, it looks like it's off, and so that's uh, that's good news for the Eagles if they can ever figure out a way. First, got to stop a blitz. And then you can tush push. So let, we, we've got to get our priorities in order here with the offense. But um, I, hopefully that Kellen Moore will help uh, Nick Sirianni and the rest of the offensive staff do that. Well, look, folks, make sure you're reading everything Jeff Kerr is doing over at CBS Sports. Uh, and Jeff, tell the kids your Twitter handle again. Oh, that would be Jeff Kerr CBS. Uh, and it's easy for people to remember. If you know who Steve Kerr is, 
My last name is spelled the same way. <laughs> That's a good shorthand for everybody. So make sure you're following Jeff on the Twitter machine and everything else he's got going on over at CBS Sports. Jeff, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy once again, buddy. I really appreciate it. John, it's always a pleasure. I, there are certain people I'll always make time for. You are one of them. Yeah, same back at you, buddy. And that'll do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Want to, again, send you over to BleedingGreenNation.com. That's where you can find the best Eagles discourse writing on everything happening with your football team here during the course of the offseason. And check out all of our fine podcasts on the BGN Radio podcast feed. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy. Cheese.